Hi everybody, this is Wit from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to 50 kilometres an hour and reminisces about doing the Eel Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Karam and get down with the good vibes. You're listening to Rowan Pratt Method, where we talk all things fitness, well-being, performance, lifestyle, and mindset so that you can live a high-performance life. On today's episode, we have Jai Sumpar. Welcome to the show, Jai. I just want to add, he's the founder of the Cold Water Club, so you may have heard of it. If not, you should definitely check it out. So tell us a bit about it. So we started off on the 27th, or the last weekend of May, essentially, on a Sunday, um, and that included me and I think six of my friends. Um, And then moving from there, we, we continue to do that every day um i was there every day and then you know there'd be people who just kind of straggle along every now and then but the sundays was the big day where we get our crowd essentially so the first sunday we had seven people the second sunday we had 15 and then you know by the end of winter we're having up to 80 or 90 people there at once that's a massive movement i definitely want to come down and check it out sometime what times do you go so on sundays is the big day it's 10 a.m um saturdays are nine um and then every other day we're doing 6 a.m we're going to, I guess, take a different approach when it gets a bit warm. He's getting warmer now. We'll take a different approach because essentially we're doing it every day to kind of really confront the winter. And we also done a lot of fundraising as well. We'll probably transition it to like a two day a week thing moving forward. And then when winter comes back next year, that's where we're really looking forward to raising more money, being there every day of winter, every morning, no matter what. Um, and it's all just like a, a big investment of, of our time to just keep this community relevant. We're going to be doing events every every month. Um, keeping everyone engaged and then when it comes to winter that's when we're really looking forward to having another huge impact on the community so what are the benefits of cold water therapy for you you have touched on it but as i said we had a technical issue so Mm. just to revisit that what benefits do you experience when you go take the plunge i get asked all the time and you know i've done my own research around i guess the physiological benefits and the psychological and all the scientific stuff but it's not something that i do it for what i do it for is it honestly just makes me feel reset and makes me feel better it makes me feel more confident it makes me feel as though well if i can jump in the cold water i can do anything as 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 cliche as that sounds like it's i've done it well over 100 days in a row and i was petrified every day it didn't get any easier and that's the beauty of it is that i it never got to the point where it's like oh, i'll jump in every day i drive down there with anxiety i'll be walking into the water or jumping in with anxiety i'll be in the water you know freezing i'd get out i'd be shaking and then an hour later i'd go wow, I want to do that again tomorrow. I don't know why. I just felt amazing. So I don't like to go from my personal perspective to go into the benefits from a scientific standpoint. I just know that from my experience, I'm just a better person if I do that on a regular basis. So similar to you, I've looked into the uh, the benefits, the physical benefits that everyone preaches through scientific research. Obviously with immunity, there's various different things. But personally, I took the plunge when I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed and I didn't know what direction to take in terms of business. And I'm like, I need to do something similar to you as a reset. And I jumped in the water for 20 minutes. It was pretty cold. It was in the winter. But I had those moments of clarity. Everything just made sense. And when I got out, I was invigorated. It was amazing and I was hooked. So I commit to doing it at least once a week now. Obviously, we can't because the way the water is. But I do feel better when I do it. So I can really give you props for that because you're bringing that awareness to all these people, which is amazing. I just doing it selfishly, if you like, just doing it myself. I tell people every now and then, but most people think I'm crazy to go jump in the water. Mm. Well, something that I struggled with essentially at the start because – 
I used to run, or well, I still do occasionally, but I was running um, small group classes at the gym that I work at called ZillaFit. And um, essentially, whoever attended the class, I'd make them come to the water with me afterwards. And I remember there was sometimes would have, you know, four or five people, then it was amazing because I used to do it by myself. And the idea of having a small group of people sharing it was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, everyone doing something positive together because. In the past, all my socialising was through negative things, you know, drinking and drugs and that kind of stuff. So socialising through exercise and getting in cold water, wow, that's amazing. Um, and I remember, like, I always thought to myself, oh, it'd be so cool to start a community that done this on a regular basis. And I always had that thought, like, oh, no, people think it's stupid and so on and so on and so on. And then I had, like, a bit of a defining moment going through a breakup and going through a personal development course. And I just realised... If I think this is so amazing and I get so much out of it and it takes my anxiety away and I just feel like I'm a better person, well, I'm being selfish by not sharing it. So I decided just to do a video talking to the camera on my own personal Instagram, which scared me so much, and just put myself out there and then started a page and then just just ran with it and committed to it and just acted as though to myself, I'm proud of this. And I was. It was just that I was scared that what people would think of it. Um, and then I just quickly learned that, well, number one, it doesn't matter. And number two, if it's something that you believe is positive and I'm getting a benefit from, I should be sharing it with as many people as I can. A hundred percent agree. And the other thing is we touched on before how with lockdowns, you couldn't go to the gym and everyone was sort of facing that. So you found a new way to manage life, if you like, as a coping strategy. One thing a lot of people miss with lockdowns is that sense of connection and that sense of community. We weren't allowed to visit our friends and family. We weren't allowed to do any of the activities we normally did. And you've essentially created that positive environment where there is that connection for people to experiencing something positive. That's great. Mm, It's definitely been very surreal experience for me. Like even just the little things of seeing like real friendships form in front of me, because that's what I needed. So seeing someone else get that, it's like, well, that's beautiful because I know how important that was to me to have real relationships fostered and built through something positive. So seeing someone else experience that and knowing they might, may need it even more than me, who knows? So seeing that be fulfilled over just something that I've you know, started the ripple on, something I've facilitated, not been in control of, but just facilitated, is just really humbling, to be honest. Well, we had another podcast guest talking about connection through suffering so a lot of people go down that rabbit hole end up trapped through maladaptive coping strategies like you suggested drugs alcohol various things like that so there is connection still that people are looking for but this is a positive environment this is something that they're going to benefit and it's going to make like impact their entire life and they're meeting like-minded people that are out there trying to manage their way through life and improve their life which is great mm. and it's something that i always have that conversation with my personal training clients because you know, I'm a young male and I can resonate with a lot of young males and I was in the position that I find a lot of other males have been in is that I always ask that question, how many friends do you have that will call you and say, hey man, let's go get a beer? And everyone will say, I've got heaps of mates. And then I say, how many friends do you have? They'll say, hey man, go to bed early tonight and let's do something positive in the morning. Let's go to the gym, let's get in the water, let's go for a run. And most people go, I don't have anyone like that. I have to do that myself, I have to initiate it and so forth. So I always just say, oh, that's me now. I'm going to hold you accountable. Like that's my, that, that's what I'll do for you. And it just made me realise what a gap there was in the community around who's holding people accountable to do great things or just be better or do something that's good for them. So, like, the purpose of the Cold Water Club from the start was to empower people with confidence through kindness, accountability and cold water. That was the purpose. It was just to empower others with confidence because I know that I feel more confident coming out of the cold water because I've done something difficult. I've done something that I knew was challenging and I've overcome it even though it petrified me. So if I can share that with others and hold them accountable to it 
and we're not like doing a witch hunt but just you know if you don't show up you don't show up and there's always a group photo people want to be in the group photo so that's how we hold you accountable you know in the group photo it's a really interesting perspective because i guess there are a lot of people out there that are quick to say come out for a beer as you said or finish your drink even Mm. there's not a lot of support for people doing anything positive even when it comes to starting a business joining the gym like people sort of give it a little bit of support, but they're not really all in. And there is very isolating when you are bettering yourself and working yourself. You do feel alone in a lot of cases. So providing that environment, I'm sure there's been other conversations that have evolved amongst people about health, fitness, things like that as well. Oh, and, you know, as I said, I'm a personal trainer and a coach and so forth. So having the credibility and I guess leading by example in the cold water, people then look at me as someone credible in fitness. So I'm blessed to have the byproduct of people coming to me for advice in other fields as well. Um, But just to touch on what you said around, you know, people will be happy to invite you to have a drink with them or finish your drink. And, but as soon as it comes to something that you want to better yourself, I went through that. I was in a friendship group and I remember just one day being with them and I'd been with them for a long time and going, None of these people really make me want to be better. Like, I don't, they don't inspire me, which sounds mean, but it was just the truth. None of them inspired me, and I didn't really admire them either. And then I realized I didn't admire myself because I was just doing what they were doing because they were doing it. And I remember I made the decision to kind of separate myself and not, not be friends with them, but I was going to do things that were good for me. I remember making a list of things that gave me purpose and made me feel as though I was proud of myself and proud of my actions. And it all came down to, I didn't respect myself because I didn't respect what I was doing. I didn't respect myself for drinking and doing drugs and not being me. And when I'd done that and I separated myself from, you know, a lot of friends, still there for them, but just not doing, partaking what they were doing. Every bit of resentment they gave me, an insult they gave me, oh, why aren't you coming? Like, you're so boring or you think you're better, whatever. It just reinforced my belief because I already knew I didn't want to be like that. So if they weren't agreeing with it, good, I'm on the right track. And I just kind of trusted the process for a good 18 months and... You know, those people who were trying to tear me down, who were my friends, and they weren't doing it from a place of, I think, like negative intentions. It was because it made them feel insecure about what they were doing. And, oh, I can't do that. So I want him to be doing what I'm doing because it makes me feel better about myself. And then down the path, I get these same people who were throwing stones at me, either telling me they're proud of me or that they want to talk to me about certain things that I do. They want to be involved. And it just goes to show that, you know, you have to run your own race. As soon as you start running someone else's, you get lost and you don't want to run where they're going like half the time we have all got our own story we've all got our own I guess values and morals and things that are important to us and I think it's so important to identify them because I thought I knew what mine were but it wasn't until I was about 24 that I actually worked out what they were and I worked out that I wasn't the person that I thought I was so many people that I talk to either aren't aware of their values or they're not living by them. And that's a result of so much unhappiness because we work in jobs that are unfulfilling. There's no purpose. They're not living an authentic lifestyle. You're living very authentically and you're leading by example. So you're in a place where you can actually steer people into making positive choices. But so many people are saying one thing and they're not walking the talk. They've got to be able to back it up. So it's great that you're doing that and that you've come to that position in your life where you made that choice, which is a hard thing to do because it is a lonely road when you set out on your own to do that. Mm, I was really lucky because I had a a partner at the time, so I was able to have some stability and some, I guess, some care at home still. I wasn't doing it all by myself. I had someone to kind of lean on when I felt a bit lonely and not spending time with my friends and so forth. But something you stuck out to me then, I remember someone asked me during lockdown, oh, do you know your values? And I said, yeah, of course I do. And he goes, what are they? 
I couldn't tell him. I said, I know what they are, I can't tell you. And he goes, that doesn't make any sense. So I remember I went home and I sat there and I worked out my values, discipline, honesty, kindness. And they just stuck to my brain all the time. Like, is this disciplined? Is this honest? Is this kind? And if it isn't, I should not be doing it. And if I want to do it, then I'm not acting in line with my values. And then I'm not the person who I say I am. Like, even there's been occasions where, you know, I'll be in a public place or, you know, in angry in traffic. And I catch myself go to do something out of character. And I always think to myself, I can't be Mr. Positive Cold Water Club guy on a Sunday and then be yelling at someone in traffic. That just doesn't resonate with me. And I wouldn't be proud of that. So it's about, for me, like my goal every day is just not to break character. Like, who do I want to be and what do I have to do to be him? And it's as simple as not losing my temper sometimes. But I'm glad that I've gone to the point where they're the things that are the discrepancies, where they used to be, you know, going on a bender or being really rude to someone or sleeping with a girl for no reason because I tried to fill my ego or not communicating. I don't do that stuff anymore. Now my goals are just not to break character, not to be rude to people. Um, and for me, that's just such a big leap for me because it was never even a thought. It was the other stuff that was so much more significant to other people and now it's more about me just holding true to who I am for me and not for anyone else. Well, you're holding yourself to your own standard and also you touch on accountability where you're being, you're holding your clients accountable to a degree, mm. but also you're holding yourself accountable and that's what you're inspiring other people to do as well. So it's great that you've made these changes. Mm. And as you said, like with my clients, I always have a laugh because like a lot of my clients will train early, you know, 5.30 or 6.30 and it's just ingrained to me like if I ask you to be at the gym at 5.30 I'm training at 4.30 so I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not doing and I'll do it earlier and I'll do it better and I'll make sure I lead by example um, it's just something that there was a reason why I didn't get into the fitness industry for so long is because I saw so many personal trainers who weren't doing that and I didn't want to be a part of that but I had the realisation oh well I can be someone who does it differently and I can have a positive impact and people can see how I live my life and hopefully they can inspire them to not live the same as me but live their best life in that that sense you know be their best self and that's what i'm trying to do i think it's important for people to get clear on what their best life looks like to them because your best life looks different to mine probably very similar but other people it's whatever it looks like for them and then go towards it and not as you said step out of character and not do things in alignment with their values that are moving them towards that ideal lifestyle Mm, completely agree like it's something that and it's ever changing and that's something that I had I struggled to accept was that you know my ideal life will change and my character traits may change but that's okay that's okay because we're you know I'm not going to be the same person I was last year and if I was that's disappointing because I'm not growing well, it's a good way to build rapport with people as well because you can have a, a wealth of experience because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have been in similar predicaments to you uh, probably making the same decisions. They can learn a lot from it and they're probably looking for a way out, man. So you're sort of leading the way, which is great. Mm, that's something I learned is that I was always just expecting myself just to get better and just it just to happen. And I realized, oh, no, that's that's my responsibility. Like, no one's going to come help you. No one's going to come force you to improve your life. Like, once you're an adult, you're an adult. And, you know, it just comes down to that whole aspect of, like, not everything's your fault, but everything's your responsibility. There is a lot of power in taking responsibility for your current situation and who you are and your choices. Because a lot of people are very much responsive and reactive to things that happen to them. And then they're powerless. They're always responding to whatever's happening to them from the outside. So taking ownership is very empowering. Mm. and even just identifying like the hard stuff like I touched on earlier 
I completed a, a personal development course, which was very, very significant for me in ways that I didn't expect it to be. But not just identifying my values, but identifying, you know, my weaknesses and who I didn't want to be. And coming to terms with that means you can overcome them because, you know, I never wanted to admit to myself just internally that I'm a needy person because I didn't want to be that. But then as soon as I realized that, oh, well, I'm a needy person, but if I identify it, I identify when I want to act that way or when those triggers come up, I can overcome them. I can choose not to be that way because I'm in control. I'm not going to blame my emotions. I'm not going to blame my upbringing. I'm not going to blame my environment. Um, I take responsibility for my weaknesses and I choose to overcome them. And that's a powerful thing. Like you can be, like I'm the most insecure person you ever meet, but I choose not to act that way. I choose to give myself a reason to be confident and overcome that every day. Um, I'll share, like you won't be able to see it obviously on the radio, but I've got a tattoo on my chest that just says PMA and that stands for positive mental attitude. And I got that there as a reminder because me personally, I don't ever wake up in a good mood and that's just something that I've just come to terms with. But I can overcome that. So every day I have a cold shower, I go to the gym. And that's how I get that positive mental attitude. And if I don't feel like it, I do it anyway because that's up to me. It's my responsibility to try and get it. So we're pretty much touching on the topic of self-care, cold water therapy, gym, things like that. What other practices do you do? Uh, One of my proudest, I guess, achievements is I've got 14 full journals. I've been journaling for a good, I'm going to say roughly three to four years. Um, And my journals... You know, they, they vary a lot. They're really talking about, I guess, my day. It's been good, my vulnerabilities. Um, I write letters to the universe or to God or whatever it is that you think that, you know, anyone has a belief in, you know, what a high power is. I believe there's a high power. I wouldn't say I'm religious because I don't have a connection to religion, but I've got my own personal relationship with the universe and with God. So I just find it a good outlet to get, you know, all of those thoughts that are in my head circling day and night not only to get them out of my head, but then to reflect on them. Because sometimes I'm talking so negatively, I don't even realise. And then that comes out in a journal and I can articulate and identify, wow, that was really negative. Why am I thinking like that? And I can, you know, either journal again and go through it or I can go get involved in some action to change my attitude. Because I'm a big believer that you can't outthink negative thoughts, you have to outact them. Like if you try and outthink negative thoughts, they get worse. But if you go do something about it, go do some burpees, do a workout, go for a run, meditate, get in cold water. That's how you beat them, in my belief. Well, you're taking action and you're actually controlling your state. So there's so much talk about breath work, meditation, mindfulness, various things like that, cold water. They're all positive ways to alter your physical, psychological and emotional state. So it's regulating your nervous system, essentially. For anyone that's not into the woo-woo, not into spirituality or anything, essentially regulating your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. So they're all great methods. And in terms of journaling, how would you encourage someone to start? Because a lot of people suggest that, I know there's a lot of personal journals that people buy, but they don't know what to do. They get a pen and paper and they're like, how long do I write for it? Or just write whatever comes to mind. Obviously, people practice gratitude, but is there a set system that you would propose or is it just a matter of writing your thoughts? For me, I stopped calling it journaling because the idea of journaling was like overwhelming sometimes. Like I have to go journal. Like that sounds like such a chore. It has to be meaningful. It's like, well, I just changed it. I've got like an app on my phone that like helped me hold myself accountable to my habits. And it just says write anything. So it might be write my gym workout. It might be write what happened today. It might be what I'm doing tomorrow. It might be something I want to remember. It might be a goal. So for me, it's just write anything you find easy. If you think it's easy to write out your gym workout, write that. And then maybe at the end of it, you can write out how you feel afterwards. 
And that's how I started journaling, honestly. My very first journaling wasn't, I wouldn't call it journaling. It was me taking a diary to the gym, writing out my whole workout, and then I decided, oh, I'm gonna write how I feel after the workout. And then it ended up being me not writing any of my workout and me just writing about my emotions, my vulnerabilities, what was on my mind. Um, and it's just morphed over time to all different things. It might just be, I'm gonna commit three acts of kindness today. And then going back and going, I done this, this, and this. I bought a coffee for a stranger. I complimented a stranger. I pulled over because someone had their hazard lights on. And for me, that's like, that's something that works for me. And I'm always so strong in making sure that I, I voice that. It's not for everyone either, you know? Like, journaling's great for me, but some people, get nothing out of it and that's fine it's about finding what works for you because everyone's so different I think anyone that does it will get something out of it it's just depends on what they're looking for and I think there's a lot of confusion the same things you touched on meditation mm. where people go you know I can't get my mind to quiet I can't stop my thoughts that's not the idea of meditation I explained to someone about every time their mind wanders and they bring their attention back to the breath or the mantra or whatever they're focusing on, it's essentially like doing a rep. So I'm like, you're doing push-ups every time, so you're creating that new neural pathway and you're getting stronger. And they're like, wow, all of a sudden people want to do it. But with journaling, I guess you're getting your thoughts, like your internal dialogue out of your mind and on paper. Have you ever reread them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not something I do often, um, but I reread them. Uh, like the last five months, me personally, have been like the hardest of my life. So it was like... I went back and read them and that's how I reflect on them. And I went back and read like, oh wow, I've actually had some really good days in there. And not that it wasn't, like not to take away of how difficult I found it emotionally and just just mentally, but it's like, oh, but there's always good in everything. Like the last five months were horrible in so many ways, but there was so much good in it. Like there was so many beautiful things that happened. Like there's always a bit of good in every day. And that goes to say with longer terms as well. So I think it just, for me, it was like a bit of a reinforcement to go, well, you might've been suffering a lot, Jai, but not only that, you had some good times along the way. And it's just that, that concept of the journey is not the destination. Sorry, it's about the journey, not the destination. Sounds like you're exploring things with gratitude as well. Is that correct? So people always ask me how I am. And my even when I'm broken and depressed, my answer is always, I'm so grateful, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling a bit depressed at the moment. But I always start with not always happy, always grateful. So in my cold showers in the morning, I'll say out loud to myself, I'm grateful to wake up today and... Da, 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 whatever it is that comes to my mind not, I try and be you know as whatever it is on the spot and be nice and fluid about it but I like to physically say that out loud because it's something that may be uncomfortable so I was like oh I want to try that and make it not uncomfortable but for me gratitude is everything because like I, I, um, I think about all the times where I've been in bad situations and I reflect about if I was grateful through those situations it wouldn't have been as bad every, every, every time so no matter what comes up, gratitude has to be first, and then we can do my emotions, as long as I remember to have that at the forefront of my mind. Well, it literally shapes your experience. And something that you said that was very interesting is you said, I'm grateful, but I'm feeling depressed. Now, a lot of people fall into the trap where they say, I am depressed, mm. or I have anxiety. And that label, they identify as it, and it's very hard to escape. Mm. But you're, it's just a feeling. You're not always depressed, but you can feel depressed, and that's okay. And it's so important to feel those emotions because with the bad comes the good as well, right? Like without having, you know, feeling depressed, you can't feel really, really happy. And that's what I noticed is that through the last five months, because they were so hard, I had really high highs. Like there were some days I read my journal, like, wow, I was so happy this day. Like that's literally, I was right, this is the best day ever. And then the next day I was like all the way in the dumps. But it's like, well then, you know, what do you want? Do you want to be really, really happy, really, really sad? Or do you want to be numb the whole time? Like that's life. The, the, like you have to feel things. And, it's weird because 
we all never like fail to see it but sometimes it feels good to feel when you're sad you know what I mean it feels therapeutic and we all run away from it and that's something I decided to do is just stop running away from them like if I'm sad I go jump in the sauna listen to Adele and I try and make myself cry because I'm going to feel that stuff you know I'm not going to run away from it because I ran away from it for years and it done me no good well most people like to avoid discomfort and pain so that's where it's interesting where it comes into cold water therapy because you are facing the uncomfortable. You're getting, you're immersing yourself in cold water for an extended period of time. So life has this discomfort all the time. We're always faced with obstacles, hurdles, adversity, things like that. We can't avoid it. We're always dancing with stress in some regard. And you touched on the negative coping strategies that you had and many other people have had throughout their life to manage stress or adversity or the problems they face. It just needs to be channeled the right way, but we can't avoid stress entirely. And like the idea of stress I guess comes down to like for me adversity you know if I go out and I chase adversity when it comes to me I'm more prepared like if I'm not chasing cold water and hard workouts and hard conversations and you know challenging myself on a daily basis like life's not really hard then life's hard when someone dies you know like how maybe if I can't handle the cold water how can I handle a funeral that's how I look at it I was just like I've had we touched on earlier before we started like I've had two friends commit suicide I don't know how I would have coped if I wasn't doing all this other stuff. Like the first one, I wasn't doing that stuff and I couldn't deal with it. Like I literally went numb to it. I couldn't I couldn't think about it. And the second one, I was like, I'm not going to say I was prepared for it, but I've been chasing adversity for a long time and I felt as though, oh, this is why I do the work because this is when life's really hard. Not when I'm whinging about my girlfriend or whatever it is or because I feel lonely or because, you know, I'm not making money it's like it's when something really bad happens that's when it shows like how much have you actually been working on yourself to handle life were you able to feel your way through the experience just so you know i've lost friends as well and it absolutely crushed me and you always wonder if there's something you could have done about it but with all the self-care that you were practicing do you think you're able to process it better definitely definitely because the some of the things didn't scare me but i allowed them to scare me i allowed myself to feel them with in the past before that I was just I didn't want to acknowledge them I'd hide from them I didn't want to feel them I didn't want them to be there I'd pretend they weren't there and that showed in other ways it showed showed my insecurities it showed in my sense of ego it showed in the way I carried myself because I was constantly fighting discomfort I wasn't embracing it and now it's the opposite now I'm looking for it like I'm, I want to find my demons I want to cry I like make me cry because I'm I want to get uncomfortable because I know that one day I think life's hard now. It's not hard at all. Some, some, some days, sometime, sometime soon, it's going to be way hard. I want to be ready for it. Okay. So you're sort of embracing being vulnerable to an extent. That's something that men are pretty much trained not to do. We're pretty much taught from an early age the only way we can express ourselves is pretty much through anger. Mm. So feeling that spectrum of emotions that happen in waves, as you said, is really healthy. Yeah, it's something I just feel a huge personal benefit from. Because it was something, again, like I ran from. I was raised by my mother and my grandmother, essentially. And um, a lot of feminine energy within me and within our household. And when you're a young boy, that's not cool. It's not cool to have a lot of empathy. It's not cool to, you know, be super caring and super nice. So I always felt as though I had to have a sense of, like, this fake masculinity. Because I didn't have any, to be honest. I didn't have a father figure to show me how to be masculine. And then when I got to the age of, like, 16, 17, it really affected me. And um, that's when I, you know, got into boxing and lifting weights and all that kind of thing. And I was able to build that masculinity in a way. And it's now, like, I'm very happy with 
my masculinity now. So that means I'm free to be feminine all the time because I know that if I need it, it's there. But I don't need it. I can just tell my friends I love them. I can be vulnerable. I can tell people how I feel. And I'm confident to do that. It's given me a sense of inner confidence rather than external confidence, which was always, to a point, ego and insecurity. Someone said something to me recently, and it was, wherever you go, there you are. And I think embracing who you are and being vulnerable and balancing out masculine and feminine energy is something that everyone needs to do because you can't run away from yourself. So many people are. They're terrified of themselves or showing themselves for the real world. And that's a very scary position to be in. And a lot of men face that. And that's why they can't talk to their mates. You touched on the suicides. So tell us about this nine-minute program that you've been doing. Mm, So essentially, the Cold Water Club decided to jump on and support uh, initiative called Nine for Nine. Um, this was created by the Zoom Network, um, who are a team of physios who have their own podcast, and they try and break the stigma and try and talk about mental health. And also, they do, and they do a really good job of it. Um, and they were raising money for a charity called Batia, uh, who are very strong in the mental health space. Um, they do a lot of workshops and, I guess, education and facilitating of, I guess, training teens and young people on how to deal with mental health, how to have the conversation, and so forth. And they done that the year prior and I just thought it was just so admirable and so beautiful and I remember meeting with one of the guys, Connor, because he reached out and just said, I'll come join you. And it, by chance, it was just me and him getting the water that day. So we had a very long, vulnerable conversation about his, I guess, battles with mental health and mine and you know, people have lost and so forth. And I just really resonated with why he was doing it, you know, his purpose. And it wasn't about the cause. It was more like, oh, this actually means something so strong to this person. And I feel that. Um, and I remember saying to him, I said, well, you know, we, the Cold Water Club, and I'll speak on behalf of them because I created it, not that I take any power away from anyone else because it's a community. But I said, we're going to join, make a team. I said to him, we'll raise more money than anyone else besides you guys because obviously you guys are going to do a great job of that. And we did. Like, we, as a culmination, we raised $60,000, I think, for the whole 9 for 9 initiative. Um, and the Cold Water Club raised $13,000 of that over the month of August. Um, and the concept is we do nine minutes in cold, uncomfortable water because there was nine suicides a day in 2020. And the concept is, you know, if if these people are feeling so uncomfortable that they have to commit suicide, then we can break the cold water. And not only that, we can break the stigma. And not only that, we can start a conversation and make those people who feel so alone know that there's all these people in the water doing it for them. Because some people, as you said, like, we don't know when people have those thoughts. So how can we make an impact that let those people know who... Don't speak up. That we're thinking of them and they'll be, we're with them. Even if you don't know who they are, we're with you. We're with you because loneliness is such a painful thing. And if we can put a community together that can make a loud enough voice so that those people hear us, that's amazing. I think it's a great initiative and more things need to be done. And I guess through the accumulative effect of everyone coming together, more awareness will be raised. But it's not just awareness. These conversations need to have uh, need to be had because everyone's aware that suicide is escalating mental health issues are at an all-time high everyone's struggling in some regard but no one's really having the conversations with the people that need to have them they're talking about the topic they're aware of the problem but everyone's pushing it to the side and not really delving into it so what advice would you have to someone that is struggling i don't say i'm not gonna say suicidal but someone that maybe feels like they can't share their thoughts there's so many so many ways I believe if you can't share them with yourself in a journal, you're not going to share it with anyone. So it's about really, number one, identifying that you have certain thoughts and accepting it because we can't always choose our thoughts. Like, we can do our best, but 
I get negative, negative thoughts all day and I'm overcoming them. I'm trying to overcome them. Sometimes I don't do that good of a job, but I think I can attest that there's like everyone's lucky enough to have someone they can share things with. And if you don't want to share with that person, there's plenty of communities out there that, you know, are happy for you to share them with them. You know, I've got, I don't like to always suggest like Beyond Blue and these kinds of things because there's a bit of a stigma to them as well because people think that if they call them that there's something wrong, but that's okay. Like, it's okay not to be, you know, feeling 100%. It's okay not to be okay. Like, you know, we, we all know, but like for me, community is everything. And that's why the Cold Water Club is so powerful is because it's a community of people that are there for a purpose. My suggestion to anyone who's feeling a certain way, feeling lost or feeling like they don't belong, is get involved in a community. Like go down to a boxing gym or a martial arts gym or come down to the Cold Water Club. You know, send us a message if you want something to chat to. Like I'm, I'm a big advocate for that. But getting involved in a community where people are there for a positive reason to better themselves, whether that be fitness, cold water or martial arts, I feel like it gives you a sense of belonging, gives you a sense of purpose. And I think that's what we're, all, we all need. Well, I've grown up around the combat sports community and I could say that it had a massive impact on my life and everyone was so supportive and they all look out for each other. People of like all different types of people are involved with combat sports. So in terms of the Cold Water Club, what types of people do you have? It's so, it's, it changes all the time. It's funny because when we first started, it was like a lot of like young tattooed tradies and like everyone's like, oh, there's this young bloke getting in the water. We all, everyone just assumed that we're like footy teams and stuff. And then when people would start, like, we'll have a sign there, it'll just say the Cold Water Club every Sunday, everyone welcome. And people would just assume that they couldn't come. So everyone who would walk past, like, we'd always have crowds there just watching us, going, oh, look at these idiots in the water. And, you know, be you know, people who are a bit older, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And it was just a matter of, like, not just me, but everyone just communicating with these people. Come on down, like, encouraging people. Come jump in next Sunday. Come in tomorrow, whenever you want. And it more from being, you know, young males and some females to being people in their 60s, people in their 50s. Like my mum comes down on a, on a regular basis and she's 50. You know, I've got, you know, you've got people bringing their dogs and their kids down. It's like a little event on a Sunday. It's beautiful. Like on the days where it's through winter when we're like really pumping and we're there for a purpose, raising money. We'll have like, you know, 70, 80, 90 people in the water, but then we'll have a crowd. Like we'll have paramedics in there with a coffee watching us. And it was just beautiful because... Even if the people who weren't directly involved in the water, they were getting something out of it. They were seeing people do something to raise money for a great cause and hopefully inspired them. Well, I think you've definitely started a trend. Uh, I think it all originated with Wim Hof. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, deeply. Yeah, I actually met him probably six, seven years ago. We did a seminar up in Port, I think it was Port Melbourne, and they had the ice baths and we did the breathing and things, but I sort of didn't give it another thought. I love the experience, but I sort of started cold showers I've sort of off and on over the last few years, but been doing it pretty pretty consistently over the last 12 months, I'd say. Probably similar to you, probably started in lockdowns, doing mm. consistently, hence when I started doing the base rooms as well. I take it you do cold showers? Yeah, every morning. So every morning about 4.30. Yeah, how long for? Honestly, I just I don't use any hot water in the mornings. Oh, yeah? I put it straight to cold and I... Because when it hits me, I'm instantly angry. I can't tell you what I'm angry. I'm just angry that I'm cold. And I stay there until I'm not angry anymore, essentially. And then it helps to give me that gratitude as well. <laughs> yeah, okay. So what's your ritual for getting in? Because obviously when you're standing there, you're probably doubting it. I do three deep breaths. I'll tell myself three deep breaths and they're usually really long so I want to do it. So it'll be... <laughs> I'll do that three times. It might take me a full minute to get in sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's something that I never regret. It's something that like, there's no excuse not to do it. I think that's what I told myself. It's like, oh, I don't have time. It's like, it takes a minute, two minutes. I've got time. It's more that conversation that you allow yourself to have to question it. It's about making sure you identify when that voice comes up. 
identifying that that voice is just because you don't want to get uncomfortable and shutting it off. I use the five-second rule. Same thing. I was doing just jumping in straight cold for a long time. Now I sort of do a balance between having it warm then do three minutes of cold at the end. Mm. Yeah, I pretty much always have a cold shower. Now, I just wanted to go back. In terms of your journaling, when do you do that? Usually at night time. Okay. Um, so you reflect on the day. Correct, correct. So for me, it's more reflecting on the day, reflecting on what I want out of the next day as well. Um, I'm a big believer in, you know, manifesting and having a vision because I think if you don't know what you want, what are you going to get? So I've got a vision board at home. I've got a whiteboard for my goals. I've got more stuff on my mirror that I read every morning as like affirmations of who I want to be, how do I be it. Um, so I like to reflect on the day that's passed and also go, well, what do I want out tomorrow? You know, that's up to me because if I don't decide what I want, then how can I complain with what I get? Very wise words. So you work out in the morning, you do your cold water plunge in the morning, you have your cold shower in the morning. So you start the day very well how do you think that sets you up for the rest of the day honestly it's like it's it's still a point it's not challenging anymore not because it's not challenging but because i know how good it makes you feel i could not imagine not doing it it just doesn't doesn't it's not an option because i know that without it i'm just not the person who i want to be and that was a big thing for me because like through winter i would be at the jetty every morning at 6 a.m to get in the water and people would go straight to the jetty and people like oh i love starting my day this way and people found out that before I got to the jetty, I'd have a cold shower at 4.30, train, and then go to the jetty. And that was because, to a sense, I was leading it. So I want to make sure I showed up with that PMA. I didn't want to get it there. I wanted to show up with it. So I was like, I need to have my cold shower and train. Now I need to show up as the GI I want to show up as because I need to lead by example. I can't be just be getting it with them. I want to already have it and just get more of it because I'm leading the way. And that's just something that I hold a lot of integrity to. Yeah, that's great. You're really embodying and embracing it. Mm. So a lot of people struggle with finding the motivation. They know what to do when they've had conversations with people about self-care or exercise or changing their diet and things. But a lot of people don't pull the trigger and actually do it. I know doing workouts in the morning is great because then it's done. And it's like if you come home from a long day at work, a lot of people don't want to go to the gym and they find an excuse to just sit on the couch and eat pizza. But what what conversation do you have with yourself in the morning to get up and actually do it if, when you don't feel like it it just comes down to who do i want to be do i want to be jai that sleeps in and gets up at seven or do i want to be jai who got up before everyone else and that's not like a flex to say i'm getting up earlier than you it's like if you want to admire yourself you have to do things you admire what do i admire me personally because everyone's gonna be different I admire someone who's up early and getting shit done every day. And obviously there's time for rest. We always have time for rest and identify when we're not well and we need recovery. But for me, it's just that asking the question, it's on my vision board, who do I want to be and how do I be it? Who's my best self? What would he be doing? Because I compare myself not to anyone else, but I've got normal Jai who's me and my best self. What's he doing? I need to chase him down because my best self's up at four. And my average self isn't. So it's like, I need to be him. Whatever he's doing, I want to do that. I think that's such an important question to ask who you want to be and identifying that because a lot of people focus on what they want to have. They don't realize that the things that they want to have come from being a particular type of person. Mm, and after my last breakup, um, I remember I wrote out the character traits of my next partner so I could try and manifest them and like just think about, oh, okay, as I said, like if you don't know what you want, you get what you're given. It's like, oh, I want to visualize my next partner or be and make sure that I hold myself accountable to not settle for anything less. I started writing it out. It was just very generic. It was like, you know, I want someone who's, you know, kind and loyal and forgiving and loving. I was like, that stuff doesn't matter. Who do I want to be? Because I'm going to attract what I am. And I remember I went on like 
I wrote down in my notes and it's I've read it out to a lot of people I wrote down the character traits of who I want to be and it's this very long empowering list of and I'm so proud of it and I read it to everyone I've read it to probably 20 people now anyone who I get the chance to read it to I read it out and it's more about going through and just going you know if I want to be if I want a girl who is you know kind to people and takes care of herself and is loyal and forgiving and kind and confident and does all the right things well then I need to be that first because otherwise what am I going to attract and I don't deserve that if I'm not that so it's about holding myself accountable for you know even expecting to attract the things that I want because old Jai doesn't attract anything good and I know that he didn't deserve it he wasn't ready for it but new Jai will and I have to be him so what was the process of letting the old Jai go honestly I think it was the process of just identifying that I didn't like him I didn't respect him and it was funny because I'll I'll be with people who I could tell you like I didn't respect him at the time and it made me feel better about myself and then after going through that process I'm like oh whoa like I shouldn't respect myself either and that's my control and I don't respect myself because of the things I'm doing so letting go of him was easy once I identified that I didn't actually like him I was being the person that I thought everyone else would like and I was focusing on being liked and I didn't care if people respected me. And I had that, that light bulb. Oh, well, I'd rather people not like me and respect me than like me and not respect me. Mm-hmm. You know, I always call myself, you know, doing things because people would think it was funny or because they would like it or, you know, being Mr. Party Boy because I thought people would think it was cool. But I didn't think it was cool. I was just doing it for everyone else. I was just making that switch of going, why am I doing this? Am I doing it for other people? Or am I doing it for me? And I spent such a big portion of my life doing things with other people. And now I do things for me. So if I'm helping someone, it's because I want to help them because it makes me happy, not because I'm doing it for anyone else. Well, it seems like you've had a massive shift in identity. And I think it's a rite of passage that most, pretty much everyone needs to go through at some point where they let go of who they want to be viewed as or how they feel they need to behave in a particular way to be liked, as you said but who they really are and who they want to be, that's important. It's a big shift. I think it's so important because going back, like, why didn't I want to be myself? And I know why it was now. It's because I was scared that if I was really myself, no one would like it. Where if I was someone else and people didn't like it, it wasn't even me anyway, so I had no connection to it. Yeah, so there's but, no risk and being vulnerable is scary. It's terrifying. And it's something that... I used to hate and now I'm the most vulnerable person I know like I'll be vulnerable with anyone like if I meet someone on the street and they ask me how I'm going I'll say the same stuff if I'm not in a bad place super grateful not that happy at the moment but I'm doing the right things I'm not breaking my processes um, but I just feel as though that being vulnerable is a superpower right like it's inspiring like you meet another man and if you be vulnerable with them first I guarantee they'll surprise you and it might not be then it might not be, you know, another month or it might not even be with you. It might be someone else because, like, as I said, like, I lead by example. So if I expect anyone else to be vulnerable with me, I have to go first and I'll always go first. I'll always be vulnerable first because it brings me more confidence, to be honest, because I think that it's so much more powerful to be vulnerable than it is to be, like, strong and not talk about stuff because that's not scary. Anyone can do that. But how many people can actually look someone in the eyes and talk about their feelings and what scares them and their demons and you know what upsets them and all those things that are so hard to say but just like anything the more you do it the better you get at it and you know if you can 
do that for one person and they learn how to just start that process of learning how to be vulnerable that's amazing because some people never learn honestly like my grandpa passed away and he had a very hard life he was in the war and stuff like that but he was never able to be vulnerable that's scary I don't want to be that and I want to be I don't want to be the reason why people feel like they can't be vulnerable but vulnerable in front of me I want to be able to provide a safe space for people to feel comfortable to be anything be themselves around me and that's a big thing of why I get up in the mornings because I used to lack so much confidence so anyone I'm in the presence of I want to give them that confidence that I didn't have because I needed it I wish someone came along and met me and made me feel confident because I never really got that and I'm happy I didn't because now I can do that for other people I can do it for myself most importantly well it's going to have a ripple effect and I think it's an important message for people to take on board and it not only impacts those people around you but like family members like in terms of being a parent and being a partner and things expressing who you are authentically and having someone value you for who you really are as opposed to how you present yourself to the world is very confronting for a lot of people to face because then people ask themselves who are they when they're not that person at the pub or the larrikin or the class clown or whatever it may be they identify with that particular stereotype that they've made themselves out to be so who are they after that and you sort of found that for yourself which is great and you're leading the front and helping other people get to the same position mm. and that was a part of like that identity dying was that I would go out, be the larrikin, be Mr. Popular. But every time I'd go home, I'd go home lonely and sad because even if these people did like me, they weren't liking me, they are liking this character that I was portraying. And then without that, I felt lonely. And it was because I was choosing not to take the risk of being myself and be judged and be vulnerable. And even up until last year, like I had built this person who I was really proud of, but I wouldn't share him with people because it was like, oh, he doesn't deserve to get the real drive because he doesn't get it. But it was just because I was scared to share him. And a big defining moment for me was the Cold Water Club because I just showed up as Jai every time, you know? I never showed up in anything else. And like touch wood, like that's all I show up as now. It doesn't matter who I meet, you know, whether it be girl, boy, old, young, I have to show up as me because now I'm actually proud of what I bring to the table. I never used to be. I never used to lack so much confidence in who I was as a person everything always came down to oh well it's because there's something wrong with me or this or that or something goes wrong or she doesn't like me because I'm short or because I'm not that good looking or whatever but now it's not a reflection of me it's a reflection of everything else if something doesn't go my way or I'm grateful that it went that way anyway because I learned something from it well you always regret the shots that you never take so you're putting yourself out there and you're being authentically you which is a something that anyone should aspire to do to anyone that would like to what advice do you have someone that's wanting to delve into self-care where would you start honestly find someone who's already doing it and ask them you know for some pointers pay someone for some help get a mentor like I'm a big believer if you want to get good at something find someone who's really good at it you're going to save a lot of time with that save a lot of time and if you can't invest in yourself what are you going to invest in you know like I paid over $3,000 for a personal development course and if I couldn't spend that money on that then why am I buying a dirt bike for $10,000 what the hell? You know, it's like the same thing. I can't spend 50 bucks a week on going to a, a group fitness class. But you spend that money on a pack of smokes or drinking or even going out for food. Like, it's all it's about getting your priorities right. Like, what are your priorities? Are your priorities taking care of yourself, becoming better? Or are they having those instant gratifications of nice food and smoking and drinking? It's just like writing down things that are good for you and, go and asking yourself, am I happy to invest in that? Because we all say we are until we have to pay for it. Well, you touched on instant gratification and that's what our society is wired towards now. And I guess 
no one's feeling that spectrum of emotions because there's always a distraction. You can always look to your smartphone and mindlessly scroll if you need to. You get a dopamine hit and you go about your day and then you just avoid whatever you need to face. But delayed gratification is a great skill, like working towards something and like and having that going through the process and the experience of developing something like what you did with the Cold Water Club. You're probably initially it would have only been a few people, yeah? Mm. And it's a great feeling when you can turn around and you've got 100 people or something. Mm. Oh, it's, it's something I... Honestly, need to reflect more on because it's like I see a counselor, and I'm a big believer that if you're in a good headspace, they add value. If you're in a bad headspace, obviously they add value. But something that I'm learning to do is to give myself that love internally. It's something I struggle to do. Like it's one of the most amazing things I've ever been involved in, and I refuse to sell to give myself any praise for it. Not think it deserves a crazy amount of praise from other people, but for myself because that's not so much for building the cold water club, but just getting outside my comfort zone. Get doing something that I would never have done last year, being able to do that, no matter what it was. Self-love is an interesting topic, and I think it goes with self-worth. If people don't think they're worthy or that they're able to meet whatever they want to meet, then they don't take care of themselves. Mm. If they're not living by their values, if they don't think that they're worth or they're not having confidence in their capabilities or anything, they don't feel that they deserve that self-care and people don't look after themselves. That's when they do drink. That's when they do these things. So you think it starts with action, just doing it? Mm, definitely. Or a conversation as well, you know. I think that conversation part is important because it's easy to tell yourself, I'm going to do something and let yourself down. No one knows. But having a conversation with someone else, speak it believe it make it happen and if I don't make it happen I've told someone like I don't want to look stupid so sharing you know even just small small goals is so important I'm going to get up at 6am tomorrow tell them you're going to do it then you have to do it I had a chat with someone recently and funny enough with sharing they were complaining about people posting less than appealing food on social media food that they're prepared at home my logic is if they're proud of that food and it's motivating them to cook at home instead of eating takeaway, then I'm all for it. And putting it out there like, or saying they're going to do a diet or that they've joined the gym or they're having cold showers or they're meditating, whatever it is, putting it out to the world, then people will ask them about that. And they're going to motivate other people to ask questions and potentially create those own changes themselves. It does have that ripple effect. Mm, and it's something that I always fantasize. Like, I wish I was the kind of person that could show people what I was doing because I'm proud of it. But- I didn't have the self-worth or the self-confidence to do that because I was like, oh, I'll be judged. But now I'll share whatever I'm doing that makes me feel good, makes me feel proud, I'll share it because I know that for every person that might think negatively about it, there'll be one person who thinks positively about it. You know, they might see me training at the gym at 4.30 in the morning. It might not make them do the same thing. It might just make them go, I'm going to get my steps in today because I've been laying on the couch the last few days. It might make them order a salad instead of getting, you know, Maccas. It can be very small, but those small things are ripples, you know, it's compounding. And I'm, I don't do the cold shower for any physical or mental effects. I do it because it compounds. If I'm someone who gets in the cold shower at 4 in the morning, I'm someone who goes to the gym at 5, you know? Like, if I can do that, it just compounds on other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. The discipline that you touch on as well. Mm. So... A lot of people don't want to pull the trigger when it comes to self-care. They think it's they don't have the time. That's probably a common excuse that you've heard. I hear it all the time. I think there's many ways to add up to 100. It's just a matter of picking one and giving it a go. And then before you know it, you've got a routine like yourself. You've got gym, you've got journaling, you've got meditation, you've got cold water therapy, cold showers, you've got the works. I agree. And it's like if we all – like those people who say they don't have the time, it's like I ask anyone, including myself, write out – for your day, what you did 
every hour of that day. And you're going to find gaps. You know, you're going to find Netflix. You're going to find scrolling on your phone. You're going to find, I don't know, just having a tune way with someone. There's so many things that you can swap out. It's like, oh, instead of Netflix, I can go for a walk. It's that simple, you know. Instead of going and get McDonald's and get something else, like time is this thing that we look at that we don't have enough of, but we refuse to prioritise it. Like we've got this scarce thing called time, but we don't respect it. We don't actually take advantage of it. We just give it away. Controlling your time is a very important life skill. I know that I've been guilty of wasting plenty myself and always hoping that I would have more. But as you said, you're spending time scrolling through Facebook or you're watching TV late at night, watching Netflix, not going to bed on time. People Mm. struggle to get up in the morning because they literally do not have a bedtime. They just watch TV and pass out. Mm. So it's about prioritizing how you want to spend your time. And you've clearly done that. Mm. And that's the key. Like I waste time all the time. I probably wasted two hours today. But when I look at that, I go, oh, well, that's my responsibility. I wasted two hours today it's not like i'm saying i've got no time i've got plenty of time i've just chosen to waste some of it and that's on me like do i want to change that for the better that's not it's not because i have enough time it's because i've made a bad decision or not the decision that i wanted to make or the one that's in line with who i want to be well we're coming to the end of the show and it's been a great conversation so we're definitely going to have to have you back again if people want to join the cold water club where do they go what do they do so right now it's a hard one because we're at oliver's hill jetty boat ramp in frankston um but as you said the bay water is not very swimmable right now there are some of the guys going down it's not something i'm willing to promote because the water levels are questionable so this sunday we'll be at summers um which is on the other side of the peninsula um but traditionally we'll be at frankston um if you go to our instagram page the dot cold water club we i guess we'll promote exactly where we'll be and as time goes on and as the water quality comes back up we'll be back at frankston as fast as we can Well, I will definitely be coming down for a Sunday session, mate. I look forward to it. Beautiful. Can't wait to have you. Thanks for having me on the show, Jai. Pleasure. Have a great night, everyone. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam. Tune in. Come, Come on, Freddy's Kitchen in Station Street for a coffee and something nice to eat. Yeah, the, yeah, the pizzas are great. In fact, all the food rates down at Freddy's Caram Station Street. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. It's a pizza. It's a mystic pizza.